audio. Um, and um, well, let me give yeah, let me first give you my uh, personal how I'm doing. Um, I'm doing my business stuff actually. So I've I've come up with this design for um, how to build my business where I interview people in my business network and we discuss the business idea that I'm trying to develop. And then I turn that discussion into a podcast episode and then I'm going to gate the podcast episode for a subscriber only um, Apple podcasts like subscription. And um, and then I'm also running my regular podcast, which is separate because I know you're you're more in like the finance business side, right? You're, you're not as much. Yeah. In the market. Perfect. So um, so this is going to be the first episode that's going to be exclusively for the business, oh, nice. um, you know, podcast that I'm going to like, hopefully people are going to join that. I, I think it'd be I think it's awesome because. I'm, I'm sure you do too, right? I have so many, so many discussions with my friends about business and, you know, business ideas and how to make money. And I mean, it's like, is there anything else when you're, when you're in this sort of age bracket um, for serious people? I don't know. So yeah. yeah makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an open book in that case. Um, anything in terms of venture capital and how I would evaluate a deal. Uh, yeah. I can run you through the entire process. That would be incredible. Um, let me write that down, actually. Um, uh, how have you been? No, I've been great. It's been, yeah, it's been like fantastic, busy two years or so, or three years. It's been like a pandemic 2020 since we last yeah. spoke, I believe. No, I've been fantastic. Um, mostly working in the venture capital space. Um, I think in, well, when we spoke, I was probably still uh, working in the machine learning world, um, uh, technical work, um, kind of a mix between technical work and business work, but uh, kind of pure machine learning engineering. And uh, of course, uh, now that's like the latest hype and buzzword, but uh, no, now it's more of a focus on pure venture capital investment, um, other kind of deal activities as well, but uh, mostly a focus on business. So hopefully, uh, hopefully what I have to say is useful for uh, the uh, paid, paid yeah. audience here. I'm honored. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I'm excited. This is brand new for me. So we're going to see how it goes. Um, so, all right, let's get started. Um, hello and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics podcast. This is season four. And this is an episode of the Founders Edition. Today, I'm on with Alex Bilzerian. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'm an investor. Um, my background um, is I initially started by founding a company when I was in high school. This was an assistive technology and computer vision company called TYB Technologies. And what we did was... Um, we focus on probably the smallest uh, total addressable market size imaginable. Um, this rare partial blindness condition called homonymous hemianopsia. So what this is, is essentially someone is blind in both eyes, but only half the eye. And uh, the reason why I wanted to get involved with this in this someone in our community um, sort of had this condition and he wanted to play basketball, but was unable to because of uh, this partial blindness. So we created a solution, a pair of goggles that he could put on and gain basically an intuition for his surroundings. 
Um, eventually, uh, went to Cornell, was educated in physics, uh, creative writing, and uh, then I got involved in machine learning, uh, kind of in Silicon Valley at this company called Hive AI. When I joined them, it was sort of a period of real hyper growth in the company. What they do is everything from data labeling for outside vendors of machine learning all the way up to off-the-shelf machine learning models, which is what I focused on. Um, I primarily focused on what was called the content moderation product. And um, if, you, if you've seen uh, kind of Silicon Valley, the TV show, uh, when Jin Yang makes that kind of hot dog detector, that's that's what I made. I was the hot dog detector guy, <laughs> um, essentially. it's um, Reddit uses it. Uh, other enterprises, Be Real, I believe, uses this. It's essentially trying to guard against uh, you know, violent sexual kind of content using computer vision across the audio channel, the voice channel, and the vision channel. Um, very important for enterprises. And in text in particular across that channel, cyberbullying, um, we had enterprise customers in that realm as well. Uh, by the end of my um, uh, sort of tenure there, got much more interested in the investing side of things, worked for this hedge fund over in New York City and uh, long short equity kind of fund. And uh, initially, rather than sort of uh, private markets, I was more invest uh, interested in the public markets and did a little work there. Eventually, um, I was introduced to this uh, European uh, sort of kind of super angel investor type of guy. And we uh, made an investment in a Croatian oil mining technology company that utilized uh, electroosmosis to uh, take otherwise depleted wells and extract kind of significant value from them in a way otherwise not possible. Uh, this was back in 2020 before the big macro uh, shift into energy. So it was, uh, I kind of got lucky with that exit, to be honest, uh, and kind of got lucky uh, joining Hive as well. But uh, after that, I was pretty convinced that I was interested in uh, the work of uh, being involved in venture capital, entrepreneurship, um, kind of continuing along that streak uh, and trying to find the best companies in the world and invest with them. I worked um, various kind of VC firms uh, since then. Uh, probably the most uh, memorable one was uh, this one in Europe, Open Ocean, and they invest in uh, deep tech, everything from AI to cybersecurity, um, even quantum computing. I was uh, sort of primarily focused on AI when I was with them. Uh, they're based in Finland, and uh, I believe they have a presence in London as well nowadays. Fantastic people, but worked for various firms over the years, and now I focus more on later stage investments. So uh, looking around like Series C, um, which is kind of distinctly different from early stage investing where more focused on financial traction to be honest and uh otherwise yeah that's uh kind of what i do i do also do consulting uh you know occasionally when some uh, sort of ai or machine learning project comes up um, i kind of do consulting work in that department there was this company that was uh, going public to private that i did a little consulting work for as well and um yeah otherwise that's essentially what I do. In, in terms of uh, people kind of unfamiliar with maybe uh, sort of what one does in venture capital, I would say that there are three pillars to it. Uh, the first most important pillar is sourcing. Uh, the next pillar is due diligence. So once you, you find a viable potential deal, 
uh, doing rigorous due diligence on that deal to ensure that sort of everything they're saying is true and it really aligns with your investment thesis and that you're doing your LPs a service by investing in this company uh, because oftentimes these are institutional investors. You don't want to be taking, uh, you know, uh, 1% of a pension plan and kind of blowing it on something. And the other pillar is uh, working with portfolio companies, portfolio company management, say they need help with um, a certain problem or they need introductions uh, to prospective customers. That's uh, more in that department. But far and away, I would say the most important thing is sourcing the best deals. That's quite a story, Alex. Um, <laughs> I love the development and how many different you know pieces there are. You know, Even when you said you, know, you did creative writing in college, that was so out of the box. I, I'm, I'm surprised by it. Why, why did you decide to do that? Oh, it was the most, uh, it was for sure the most important uh, sort of course I took at Cornell, I would say, with uh, this one professor in particular, Alice Fulton. Uh, she's a MacArthur fellow, really a brilliant kind of contemporary poet. Um, I've always been interested in poetry. Um, Emily Dickinson in particular, uh, since I was very young, I just found her very compelling. And I think language is such a powerful tool. If you can master uh, something like contemporary verse poetry, uh, doing something like business writing is simple from there. Um, really, it, I saw a lot of parallels between uh, kind of working with physics and working with creative writing. Both of them require a lot of uh, kind of raw creative energy, I would say, in terms of problem solving, in terms of how am I going to construct um, this poem in such a way where I'm doing, I'm showing rather than kind of telling uh, the reader what I want them to do. I'm dancing around a certain uh, kind of trope and then landing on a resonant uh, kind of ending. Cool. That's really quite poetic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, it's it's so interesting. Um, so okay, so you you talked about venture capital. Um, let me first. Well, okay, let me ask if if somebody is coming to you with a business idea, what is what are you looking for in their company right now? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> uh, so that's a. Um, the premise of the question is important too. It's uh, coming to me with a business idea. There are streams of ways, uh, you know, one would get kind of deal flow as it's called. Um, the one you describe is sort of uh, cold inbound when people come uh, sort of to you and don't know you and have a sort of a pitch deck or something like that. Uh, to be honest, uh, Typically, I never see success with uh, those in my department. Um, uh, we just get so, so many thousands of those. And uh, typically, they're just not a fit for the fund. And it's kind of a case of uh, someone sending a mass email or something like that to a list of VCs. And they don't actually know uh, what a particular venture capital fund is specialized in or something like that or what stage they invest in. But um, another source would be uh, sort of outbound, actually, uh, you know, doing sales work myself and, uh, you know, hounding uh, the CEOs of um, a prospective company. I want to talk to you. I want to see if you guys are raising. I want to, you know, potentially invest. Those are where the most success is. And otherwise, um, the other couple of ways you can get deals is by, um, you know, your network. It's a relationship business. If uh, another 
some person in the industry was to kind of shoot me over a company, maybe in their portfolio, maybe their earlier stage than me, I would kind of immediately take that meeting and uh, sort of take their word that it's worth my time. And uh, the other way is pretty novel by using um, data-driven methods to source deals um, in such a way where you can do the outbound work. But um, regardless of how it comes to me, if I'm kind of evaluating um, a, a particular investment opportunity, um, first thing I want to know is like the company itself, kind of the overview. Uh, when was this company founded? Was it founded 15 years ago? I don't want to invest in uh, that. What is the problem that they're solving? What's the value proposition? And kind of importantly, why now? Why are you raising venture funding now? Venture capital isn't um, sort of the best option for every business. Sometimes there are lifestyle businesses uh, that would be better off kind of remaining without uh, sort of venture capital obligations. And uh, otherwise, the very first thing I would say, and maybe the most important thing is financial traction. I'm looking at gross margins, growth, um, ARR. Um, they're also, if it's a SaaS company, there are various kind of... Uh, metrics that one uses like net net dollar retention uh lifetime value divided by cac um another very important one is churn and uh that that means sort of customers leaving a uh, particular kind of company for whatever reason stopping the contract if it's a SaaS company after one year why aren't they renewing it so i'm asking them like why do you have this churn in particular um and also uh, have you ever sort of lost customers in the sales process to uh, sort of your competitors, if there are competitors? Uh, a second big pillar, I would say, is customer traction. Um, do they have notable logos? Um, is Walmart one of their customers? I have Fortune 500 companies uh, sort of using their service. That catches my interest. Um, I'm also interested in the number of customers and the concentration of uh capital with those customers. So do you have one big client that takes up 80% of your sort of revenue? That, that's uh, kind of a risk in my opinion. I'd like to see it sort of uh, be much more even uh, even than that. And I'd also like, I always ask as well, sort of why do customers buy your particular uh, sort of service or product, typically uh, talking about kind of SaaS company software as a service here, but what's the ROI? What's the return on investment? What's the value proposition? What's the um, ideal customer profile? And perhaps I can uh, introduce you to uh, prospective customers if that's the case. The uh, next pillar I look at when it comes to an investment opportunity would be the business model itself and the go-to-market motion. Uh, so how do they make money? Uh, what is the business model? What's the ACV? What's the pricing look like? Uh, I want to look at their customer pipeline in depth, and I really want to understand sort of the go-to-market and sales motion. Uh, with sales in particular, I, I typically try to go into depth with that. I'm asking them, uh, you know, what is the sales quota? Um, if it's an enterprise SaaS company, uh, how many quota carrying sales reps do you have? How many reps attain their quotas of those? Um, and what's a sales cycle and implementation cycle look like? Uh, those are sort of uh, try to get really deep into those details, even on an initial sort of first uh, call with a company. 
and uh, from there, uh, going into the product is very important. Uh, the value prop I've mentioned before, but specifically with the value prop, is it, uh, you know, I kind of ask myself, is 10x better than um, sort of the existing solution if one exists on the market? What are the use cases? Is this a, a greenfield play or is this kind of a rip and replace in which um, Maybe maybe I'm Walmart, maybe I'm an enterprise, and I have 10 different services that uh, your company could absolutely replace and do a better job of. Um, when it comes to the product as well, I want to know about the roadmap um, in terms of where the product is going. You know, is this eventually going to be a, a kind of product suite? Um, are they working on very important features in this product that will be kind of of interest to investors down the line. Um, and the other big important thing is intellectual property, depending on what field they're in. Uh, do they have kind of patented technology? Uh, how defensible is uh, what they're doing? Um, and from there, uh, the other important factors would be uh, the next big pillar would be the deal and financing history. Uh, what is the financing history? Are there any sort of notable investors already in that company um, invested? Uh, like who led the Series A, who led the Series B, and why did uh, sort of they do that and not some other um, investor? And the other details are the current raise, um, including kind of the process itself and the timing. Uh, I always ask, uh, where does this round get you? Is this uh, kind of evaluation inflection point in which um, sort of this is the opportunity to invest in the company and by investing, there's a real kind of there's evidence. There's evidence that, you know, uh, I can prove that uh, potentially this is going to add real value to this company if they get an influx of capital, if they get a war chest of money, this is going to do incredible things for their business. I want to know about their burn rate and sort of the path to becoming cash flow positive as well uh, when it comes to that department. And, uh, you know, the final and uh, one of the most important things, of course, is the team itself, um, the executives and the founders, um, if there are notable highlights there. I would say that um, a serial entrepreneur that's had previous exits is always a dream to talk to. Uh, that's kind of uh, you know, the golden goose of people to talk to when it comes to uh, venture capital in particular. Someone with a proven kind of track record is a safer bet than someone uh, that, you know, is kind of doing their first play in the industry, I would say. And uh also kind of look at the board and investors, if there are any but notable people on the board, you know, is uh, sort of Doug Leone on your board. That's that's interesting. That's uh, that's kind of uh, interesting feature there. Um, I also want to know about the employees themselves. Is there employee churn going on? That could be indicative of the CEO being kind of incompetent um, as well. I, I'd like to know um, sort of the uh, level of talent that they have. And in terms of the hiring plan, I'd like to see that as well as if there are any gaps in their current sort of roster of employees um, and potentially an investor could help with those gaps uh, with their network. And otherwise, I think that that covers pretty much a big broad kind of overview of uh, what I'd be looking at in a potential investment opportunity.
That's pretty cool. So I, I got a couple of um, pieces of insight from that, which is that it sounds like you're looking to it, basically by the time you're looking for an investor, you need to have a functioning business. You have to prove out the equation, so to speak, and have really good proportions between the different business metrics, um, a low, low churn and a you know high LTV and things like that. Um, at least, at least for um, sort of uh, Series A and um, or uh, Series B, Series C, maybe for early stage, uh, you know, that's uh, probably a whole different world, pre-seed and seed, where you don't need any of those um, uh, features like actual paying customers, say, or um, financial traction that's off the charts. Um, that's more of um, uh, Kind of like brilliant people coming together and uh, working more on uh, everything except for the financial traction but as you go later along you know the financial traction parts and the metrics become uh, sort of much much more important i would say for uh later stage funding got it that's so interesting so i want to ask for you personally if you're investing in a business what is your favorite thing for the money to go towards Oh, that's a great question. In terms of uh, sort of how they allocate the capital afterwards, you know, typically it's uh, it's probably a mix between hiring. Um, hiring is probably the main thing that I see uh, this capital going towards. They're growing, they're scaling super fast, and that's the reason why they're seeking venture capital. Uh, so hiring a bunch of engineering talent is fantastic to see. But a big thing is just extending their current runway so that they can uh, continue to exist as an, uh, as a business, as an entity, um, and not go under is uh, a really important feature. But it varies, you know, in every single case, I would say. In certain cases, um, you know, in all cases, uh, hopefully, when one is making one of these investments, it's uh, because there's a need to really scale the company because they have too many, uh, they have so many customers that they can't even service that amount of customers. So taking that capital and essentially uh, uh, allocating it amongst, uh, you know, the business in such a way that they can service those clients and continue to grow in a way that will eventually lead them to becoming a cash flow positive uh, business is what I'm looking for generally, but it really varies kind of case by case, not something um, uh, too, too, uh, it's not too far up there in terms of like the other things I mentioned, but it's, uh, it's certainly a factor, I suppose. Yeah. I'd say most of it would go towards uh, hiring. If you were just starting your own business, like I'm starting a business right now, it's quite development intensive would you hire a like a engineer a data engineer um or a coder right off the bat um or would you try to like bootstrap it and maybe like cre create some basic stuff yourself and how soon would you introduce some uh, like a professional i see um well it really depends um, um like most things this is case specific but there are some important principles to follow i would say the first thing is to think about the market itself is this um uh, make sure uh, first of all if um, one is kind of venturing to uh, start a company that they're uh, targeting a market that's uh, 
not necessarily a billion dollar market right now, but one in which um, a potential investor could see it become a billion dollar plus market, um, a growing market, a market with tailwinds. There are reasons why this market is growing. That's really important. And in terms of kind of the uh, technical acumen for um, the project that one endeavors to create, it's important to think about um, so investors would think about why are these two founders the uh, people to solve this problem? Uh, so I think it's important to have something um, in your background in which uh, you, you're a real sort of specialist in that area. Um, this sort of may, maybe let's take an example of um, a founder kind of uh, wants to create an AI startup because they hear about all this chat GPT buzz or something like that, if they have absolutely no experience in machine learning, deep learning, uh, large language models, whatever it may be, computer vision, um, it's kind of hard to justify investing in that person over someone with uh, extensive background in that area. So I think it's important to, um, when you're thinking about sort of um, the founder, you and your co-founder, make sure that you guys have experience in that market and that there is that technical um, acumen somewhere on the uh, kind of leadership team, whether it be the uh, CTO or someone else. Um, in terms of hiring that person and when to hire them, it really varies. But I would say you know, if one is uh, really uh, serious about getting the uh, getting venture capital funding, um, it would be an important aspect to have somebody on the team that has a real uh, sort of expertise, specialty when it comes to the area, uh, the problem area that they're solving. Um, so I would say do as much as you possibly can uh, before kind of hiring an outside technical um, engineer uh, to work on this. But um, eventually that, that'll become important to actually see something uh, tangible and to show investors something tangible um, that they uh, a demo, um, a working sort of product, something that perhaps could be patented. And hiring somebody will, of course, uh, could potentially if that can help with that process, uh, then certainly I'd um, sort of go for that option. Oh, by the way, do you are you familiar with the Bloomberg terminal? Oh, yeah. Very familiar. Bloomberg Terminal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Terminal. Um, uh, you know, not as uh, not in my current capacity in the venture capital world. You don't really need to uh, be looking at securities prices constantly. I guess the equivalent uh, for me would be um, uh, kind of PitchBook, maybe. Uh, PitchBook is kind of a, a large uh, company. Um, you get a database of all these sorts of startups, um, information about their financing histories, et cetera. It's like 20 grand a month or something uh, for firms. And uh, that's probably the equivalent of a Bloomberg terminal. And there's also Cap IQ Pro. Um, I, I use that actually um, in the venture world, um, which is kind of similar to the Bloomberg terminal. Um, but they have kind of interesting data when it comes to private equity and uh, VC, uh, particularly for trading comps. Um, uh, at, at the stage that I focus on, uh, trading comps are very important. So using Cap IQ Pro is sufficient for that. But yeah, Bloomberg Terminal, uh, absolutely love it. Cool. Um, I, I, want, I mentioned that because uh, my idea, my business idea that I want to build is 
pretty pretty close to the Bloomberg terminal, uh, but for marketing, uh, media buying. So if you look at, and the, the whole premise behind it is if you look at how analytics and data resources have been um, used in industries, it started in finance because there was a lot more money to be made with better financial decisions. And so you saw this like massive evolution, like computers were used largely for finance, whether it was processing credit card transactions or doing trading and stuff. Um, and I would say over the last 20 years, that focus and has started to shift towards some other industries. I think there may have been like a slight plateau um, in terms of delivering data and at like super fast speeds and you know, we have all this high frequency mm -hmm. trading stuff like technology has really been saturated in the finance industry, like technology in general, like everything there is. Oh, yeah. And I think that's starting to happen in marketing where there's so much money being put into marketing because now we have more and more advanced modeling. There's a lot of machine learning involved, um, or at least it's starting to become involved. Um, there's all sorts of new technology that's being introduced into marketing because marketing is sort of being seen as a secondary opportunity as a lever for increasing revenue. And previously this was thought to be more in the finance realm, uh, but now we can just measure the revenue generated from marketing so much better than we could before using modeling. So this will just continue exactly. to, to evolve. So there's so much money being put into marketing and this buying, media buying is currently happening in different um, pl platforms. So like Google has their own platforms, Microsoft, if you wanted to do like a billboard or TV, these are all different like places you're gonna have to go, different people you have to hire. It's a more complex organization. So if you thought about those like different indexes for stocks, you could put them all into one terminal and create a software that allows you to buy all the media through it and it would have a similar effect as the bloomberg terminal and you could even extend that to the channel like there's a channel on tv that talks about finance but there's no channel on tv that talks about marketing and changes in consumer behavior and things that marketers need to know um you know all sorts of things like that that would help somebody stay at the cutting edge of media like what they're buying um, you know, where they're shifting their money. Um, so I don't know. What, what do you, does that yeah. sound compelling? No, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, this is a compelling area. Um, and you made a lot of great points when it came to uh, AI and machine learning being involved in marketing. Uh, this is something we worked on um, at Hive even. Um, we had a product in which, uh, say you're watching a TV show, um, and the TV show kind of features a beautiful beach in Fiji or something like that. Um, our predict predictive algorithms would dynamically uh, kind of uh, analyze this data and then present you with a commercial for a cruise. Um, and this was years ago. So it's been uh, going much um, sort of evolving and evolving and getting much, much, much better when it comes to this. Um, another area uh, that's sort of related to this is what we um, call hyper personalization. So um, using these predictive uh, algorithms to try to present to the customer um, what we think they will uh, sort of most likely uh, potentially buy. 
Um, and that increases ROI for an enterprise. And what you're describing, uh, the procurement of um, advertising on, you know, TV me- mediums like TV, kind of websites, uh, mobile apps, et cetera, and trying to um, aggregate that into one uh, system. I could see that being useful for an enterprise procurement uh department uh, because it'll make their sort of uh, it'll make it much more easier for them. It'll make it much easier for them to uh, not only uh, kind of uh, deal with procuring it through just one entity rather than going through multiple different ones. Um, so I, I could see the sort of uh, value proposition being enticing in, in the case of what you're describing. Well, thank you. Um I want to ask a a business question sort of related to it. Well, actually, no, this is, (laughs) let me be honest. I heard this in a television show yesterday and I was like, is this, uh, is this true? I don't know. It's stuck with me though. So I want to ask you and see what you, (laughs) what you say. So the quote is that successful people should never tell everything they know that got them to be successful. I mean, yeah. obviously, it sounds cool, but is there any truth to it? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm always skeptical of these uh, sort of broad generalizations, like <laughs> successful people. What is success? Uh, how would one define that? But uh, there is kind of a interesting like thread of logic, I suppose, with what you're talking about. Uh, uh, shifting over to, say, uh, the investing world. Um, uh, let's look at like... Uh, a Rentec, for example, uh, uh, Jim Simons, maybe. Um, inside of Rentec, I would say that most of those um, employees don't actually know what the secret sauce is behind the firm. Um, and Jim himself is uh, sort of putting information out there. Some of it is true, and some of it might be to uh, sort of uh, protect um, and defend um, uh, the secret sauce of the business. So you like uh, say you're um, an inve- like a, a public market investor, you don't want to go on sort of CNBC and uh, reveal uh, your exact investment strategy, your proprietary uh, sort of knowledge. Um, you kind of want to hint at it a little bit in terms of um, what in particular makes your firm differentiated and special as opposed to other firms. Uh, but there is a lot of uh, sort of... Um, directed information um, in such a way where you're not necessarily kind of revealing everything because if you do reveal everything, uh, your competitors might get an idea. Like um, say, uh, say you know how to make a major advance in uh, computer vision and the way by which you would make that advance is through uh, topological machine learning. Uh, on the data end of things, um, one wouldn't want to go into the exact specifics of uh, why the, the mathematical principles of topology is so important there, but they would kind of say that it is topology um, and otherwise not go into too, too much detail. I, I'm not sure if it's lying necessarily, but um, <laughs> maybe uh, sort of directed information, uh, you know, uh, try making sure that you know everybody in your organization knows just uh, enough uh, and not everything about the uh, inner workings of how the firm works. I suppose. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you agree that 
patents and more generally intellectual property sit at the foundation of successful businesses today? Oh, well, Peter Thiel has a, a great little quote about this. I, I would say it's something along the lines of, um, you know, every uh, great business is built on a secret. And uh, this secret is kind of the key to um, it becoming a success, in his opinion. Uh, there's some truth to that. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to take the form of intellectual property uh, patent or something like that. You know, deep learning in particular, it's very, very uh, difficult to um, patent something. It has to be quite creative to get a patent, I would say. And uh, doing such a thing would be kind of impressive. But it doesn't have to take the form of, um, uh, you know, legal intellectual property. It could just be the case that, your company is three years ahead of everybody else because you started much earlier. You have uh, proprietary data that nobody has, and you've been building it for years, and nobody else has what you have in that case. You've just put in more sweat than everybody else, um, earlier than everybody else, and that's the reason why you have this moat, this uh differentiation that makes uh, your particular business special. But um, it, it is a sort of secret, I suppose, that maybe uh, your business is built on. Um, another thing to think about, I would say, is sort of um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a groundbreaking novel um, piece of intellectual property for a business um, to be or a startup rather to be successful. It could just be uh, doing something exceptionally useful for an enterprise client that really streamlines a process or makes something very, very efficient um, and really returns ROI for the enterprise. Uh, so it doesn't have to be something uh, crazy novel, patented. And there are different ways, kind of in summary, different ways to have that intellectual property without it necessarily being uh, a traditional thing like a patent. Somebody would just take the idea, I guess, if uh, if you revealed everything about how it's made. Yeah, no, certainly. Uh, it's uh, it's hyper competitive out there. It's trench warfare. Um, but it, it really depends on uh, the sector, the market, the industry. But uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly company trade secrets are important to, uh, you know, not just kind of blatantly reveal, I suppose. And cool. um, but it is important to let potential investors know uh, kind of what thread you're on to. Mm -hmm. I want to ask another question. Um, this one, actually, the, the next two are about you. Um, oh, sure. I want to ask what, first of all, uh, what are your moonshot goals in life? Oh, for sure. I would say, um, let me see, um, you know, five, 10 years down the line, um, uh, you know, raising my own uh, firm, um, potentially in the venture capital space, potentially, uh, sort of a crossover situation, um, in which it plays in both the public and private markets. Um, I see, a, uh, the main opportunity I see is, um, a major opportunity rather that I see is, um, uh, using data-driven techniques in the private markets, so private equity secondaries, um, venture capital sourcing, those types of things, applying um, uh, 
proprietary data, you know, alternative data, taking that data and leveraging machine learning in such a way where it actually gives one insights into um, I should be doing these deals rather than um, these deals in some kind of significant way. I think uh, that's something we'll see develop in the next decade. I'd like to be a part of that personally. Um, but yeah, in terms of moonshot goals in general, um, yeah, fundraising, a uh, uh, nice kind of healthy sized firm myself um, would be certainly a goal. Um, and otherwise, uh, just uh, trying to invest in the best companies in the world. Uh, you know, from the position of the venture capitalist, it's really a, a service position. It's a service role uh, for the founders. You're not the star of the show as a venture capitalist, though some on Twitter, uh, you know, <laughs> tend, to, tend to think of themselves as a star of the show. But it's the really the founder is the star of the show. And, uh, you know, if I could enable some uh, founder to uh, do something really groundbreaking, um, something really, you know, useful and helpful uh, to advance society in some way. That would be a moonshot goal of mine. Next question, somewhat related, but maybe not. Who are your heroes? Oh, heroes. Um, you know, inspirations. Uh, you know, people um, who uh, have been influential. Um, it probably include. Um, I really enjoy. Oh, there's probably a long list of these. Uh, types of characters, um, the work of uh, Nassim Taleb, of course, is uh, influential. I really particularly um, find his technical work uh, very important, thinking about uh, how to make decisions under uncertainty, how to be a risk taker uh, rather than a risk manager. Um, when it comes to buy side alternative investments, that's very important. Uh, Peter Thiel uh, is another one of these characters. Um, really just uh, the idea, it, it just speaks his mind and thinks in a way that probably my thinking most aligns with him when it comes to uh, general topics like um, geopolitics, perhaps, and uh, general technology and other areas we sort of differ, I would say. Otherwise, uh, the great David Tepper, um, who uh, was the manager of Appaloosa, uh, this legendary hedge fund back in the day, he owns the Carolina Panthers uh, nowadays. It's a family office now. Um, very inspirational just by virtue of his uh, the confidence the guy had was insane. And um, the moves he would make in the market, nobody else was doing what he was doing. Uh, that was uh, just an inspiration to see. Um, another one, um, uh, perhaps uh, Bill Ackman, um, is a kind of interesting one. Maybe not necessarily Bill in particular as a hero. Uh, Carl Icahn is good too, but Bill is important. Uh, I, I find him inspirational just uh, by virtue of his confidence. His confidence is insane. <laughs> There's uh, probably nobody that has that kind of uh, confidence out there. Um, in terms of uh, managers in the space, it's hard to think of anybody else, to be honest. Uh, and uh, one thing I like about uh, ICANN is uh, sort of uh, he has a reason behind uh, doing these uh, hostile takeovers, I would say. I think there's a greater purpose to uh, doing these um, hostile acquisitions of companies. There's in the United States, we have uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies with 
uh, really lazy management that doesn't need to uh, be there. They're vice presidents that are paid millions and bonuses every year that don't actually do anything. Is this really a value to the shareholders? Um, is this really, uh, you know, something that uh, the United States itself, um, is this helpful for us in competing with China? Um, how else are we going to compete with uh, Chinese corporations other than to um, sort of have the role of the activist investor? So I, uh, he's an important one. Uh, otherwise, um, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, writers uh, like Alice Fulton, uh, very uh, sort of uh, influential writing. I like the way she uh, looks at uh, feeling as a foreign language almost. And uh, it's also the title of one of her uh, kind of technical books as well. Um, but uh, yeah, those characters are uh, pretty inspirational, I would say. Wow. What a great list. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's an amazing note to end on. Alex, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts. It, it, was, uh, it was a really great time. Yeah, of course. That was a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. I'm honored to be on and um, yeah, wish all the best. And uh, if you have any questions in the future about uh, your particular business idea you mentioned, um, you know, yeah, text me, email me anytime. I will. All right. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.